Good morning, Downtown Church, and welcome back to 7-Minute Sunday School. Today we're looking at a big chunk, Exodus chapter 7 through Exodus chapter 11. Now, as we know, all the way since Moses first encountered Pharaoh and said to the Pharaoh, I represent Yahweh, and he says, let my people Israel go. And Pharaoh said, who is this Yahweh? I do not know him. I will not let the people go. We've seen how the story of Exodus is essentially a contest at this point between two gods. On the one hand, Yahweh, the Lord of heaven and earth, the God of the Bible. And on the other hand, Pharaoh, who in Egyptian theology claims to be God. Now, where we're interesting in chapters 7 through 11 is the plague cycle. When Moses will say uh, to Pharaoh, Yahweh says, let my people go. Pharaoh will say, no. And Moses will say, okay, well, then Yahweh's going to send these dramatic plagues, these devastating disasters on Egypt. And we'll watch as Yahweh turns the great Nile River to blood, sends frogs in huge quantities, hail, flies, gnats, boils, plagues on livestock. And in all of these plagues, we're seeing this, this 10-round bout, if you like, this 10-round fight between Yahweh on the one hand and Pharaoh on the other. Yahweh, the Lord of heaven and earth, and Pharaoh as the pretender God. It's not just them, these two gods. Each god also has people who support them. So obviously Yahweh has Moses and Aaron who represent Yahweh, who speak his word to Pharaoh. But we also encounter in the plague cycle, Pharaoh's entourage, his helpers, these magicians who during some of the plagues, the Bible tells us, come out and and copy or imitate the plagues by their secret arts. And so you get this kind of parallel, Pharaoh and his magicians on one side, Yahweh, Moses, and Aaron on the other. And as the plagues go on, there is this escalation, there is this escalation that's designed to show Yahweh utterly devastating Pharaoh, his enemy, and Pharaoh's entourage, these magicians. We can see this in a couple ways. First of all, while it might be unclear to us, most of the plagues attack aspects of Egypt that were worshipped as gods themselves. Remember, Yahweh is the only god, according to the Israelites, but the Egyptians saw Pharaoh as one god among many. And many of the of the plagues attack other gods within the Egyptian religion of gods. For instance, the frogs that swarm over Egypt were gods in Pharaoh and Egyptian theology. So they worship these frogs. He always says, you want to worship frogs? I'll give you frogs. And the frogs swarm Egypt with devastating results. The Nile was central to Egyptian faith and theology because Egypt is a very arid place. It's a place where lives, uh, agriculture is impossible unless you're along the banks of this huge river, the Nile, which provides reliable water all the time. And it would be very clear to anybody reading this story that Egyptian economy, society, everything depends on the Nile. And so the Nile could be understood as divine. And one of Pharaoh's jobs as the god of Egypt was to ensure that the Nile uh, continued. And so in the very first plague, Yahweh turns the river to blood. The source of life becomes a sign of death, right? So God's going toe-to-toe with these pretender gods and devastating them. 
We also see Yahweh's triumph over uh, Pharaoh and his his magicians in in the way that gradually the magicians get more and more defeated. The first few plagues, the Bible says, the magicians did the same thing by their magic arts. But eventually, in just the third plague, the magicians are no longer able to deliver the goods. And by about the fifth plague, the plague of boils, they can't even come into Pharaoh's presence because they're so affected by Yahweh's plague. So Pharaoh is out of control. His gods cannot deliver the goods. Pharaoh can't even control himself. As you read these chapters, you'll notice Pharaoh's hardening his heart. Pharaoh's changing his mind. He's confessing his sin and then going back on his word, acting deceptively. The God of Egypt can't control the Nile, is abandoned by his gods, and can't even control himself. Well, what's the point of all this? We know on the one hand, it's God's answer, his just answer to the Israelites suffering in Egypt. But the text also tells us again and again and again that the plagues are happening that the Egyptians will know or that the Israelites will know. What is it that they will know again and again? It's that I, Yahweh, am the Lord. We hear that several times. But we also hear that they will know, the Egyptians, the Israelites will know that there is no God like the Lord. The distinctiveness, the uniqueness of God will be made known by these plagues. We hear that uh, uh, God is doing these plagues so that they will know that there is no one like Yahweh, that to Yahweh belongs the whole earth. Moses says this is happening so that you'll know that Yahweh owns everything. That he's not a God over some small area. He's not a God over one people, but the whole world belongs to him. That's why he can control the the flies and the gnats and the frogs and all these things that the Egyptians thought were God. So that my name might be proclaimed. Yahweh says he's doing this, that my name might be proclaimed. And finally, so that you may know, Egyptians, that I make a distinction between my people and their enemies. This plague cycle is a an act of God's revelation of of his character. And also this is happening, we're told again and again, so that the Israelites may leave Egypt in order to serve and worship Yahweh. God is bringing the plagues to liberate the people from their harsh, evil service to Pharaoh for service and worship to him. He is redeeming a people for himself, buying a people out of slavery for himself. And it's very telling that in the plague cycle, Pharaoh says at one point, you can go just take the men. And they say, no, everybody, men, women, children. Why? Because Yahweh is not just winning for himself a group of men or a group of the elite or a group of the powerful, those recognize as important society. No, God is winning for himself a family, an entire community. He wants men, women, and children to worship him in the fullness of joy, to be his people and to be those who serve him together. It's an incredible story. This week, I invite you to read it, chapter 7 through 11. If you're doing this in a group, maybe just start with chapter 7 as an intro. But sometime this week, try to read the whole thing. And I want you to ask yourself three questions. One, what are we coming to know about Yahweh as we read these stories? What are we coming to know about this God? Two, where are we like Pharaoh, relying on other gods and their 
their, their, uh, their magicians and their magic arts? Where are we relying on other gods and their capacities? You know, the text makes it really clear. These, these wizards, they can do some things, and our false gods usually can too. Where are we relying on them, though, instead of Yahweh, the Lord of heaven and earth, to whom belongs all things? And third, what does it look like for us, unlike Pharaoh, to surrender to this God? and to answer his invitation to know him and to serve him. See you next week.